That music can have but one meaning. It's February's bonus episode of 2233, all about food. We wanted to host another little bonus banquet for you this week. Six stories of how people came together over food for better or for worse, or at least for weirder, perhaps. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. And this is The Food We Eat, Part 2. Germans always say, guten appetit, um, before you eat a meal. And it's one thing that we don't have something similar in English. And so I often sit down with friends and have to remind myself, okay, wait until everybody is seated and make sure you say guten appetit before you pick up that fork and get ready to, to eat the great meal in front of you. This week, being asked to do the unthinkable, eating with someone else's hands, sort of, and even tattoo artists have to eat sometimes. Join us on a journey to the outer reaches of your taste buds. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. I was living up in Arunachal Pradesh near Tibetan Myanmar, way far in the northeast, and I'm a vegetarian. I have been for seven years now, and um, I got into this very rural community, and um, they asked me to kill their pig. Like, they asked me to be the person that slices the pig's throat, <laughs> and I was so taken aback, and they told me that it felt like a, a situation that I couldn't get out of. And so I actually ended up slaughtering a pig um, in Northeast India. I still didn't eat it. I found a way out of that one. Um, I told them I was fasting, which was always my trick. They never asked why I was fasting. But I did actually slaughter a pig that was then used in a big ceremony. I think I don't think it was a wedding, but um, we had a big, big community celebration. Everyone got together. We cooked this pig that I had killed. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any others? I got more. I remember uh, one day I was at my normal base, which is the Kabir Chaudhramat in uh, Varanasi, and there were some pilgrims who came from Rajasthan, which is a state northwest uh, from the one I was based in. And these pilgrims invited me back to their uh, ashram, back to their Dharamshala, where they were staying, and they invited me for a meal. So, you know, I'm never one to pass up a free meal. So I get there and I'm really excited. You know, I really love Rajasthani food, and they put the plate in front of me. And I'm, you know, really ecstatic about to eat. And then a guy comes up and I've never experienced this before in my life. But this guy comes up, he takes his hands and there's dirt in his fingernails. And he takes the rice, he takes the dal, the lentils, uh, the vegetable, which was uh, chana or chickpeas. 
and the roti, which is the bread, and mixes it all together. So his hands, his dirt under his fingernails, his hands, I don't know the last time he washed it, and it's very taboo to touch other people's food in that way. It's different to hand it out, but he's all in there, really getting up in there, mixing it, mixing it, mixing it. I can hear the sound of it kind of sloshing as the doll's mixing with the rice and the roti, and I'm just horrified. And in this moment, I had a choice. I could either sort of go with my gut in the sense of, you know, not eating this, right? And protecting my gut, or I could go against my gut and not protect my gut and eat this. So I decided to, you know, not go with my gut and I ate this food and I was fine. I don't know if it was good karma from just kind of going in a spirit of hospitality and generosity and accepting this, but I accepted it and it went really well. I wasn't, didn't really feel sick. I felt a little nervous because I ate the food so fast that I wasn't trying to think about it. So that was a factor, but nothing really uh, bad came of it. And I just had a good conversation with them after. And the food, I would have enjoyed it if he hadn't come up, you know, and done that, but it was what it was. One of my friends, um, she lost a really important family member when she was in India. She lost two of them, actually. So she wanted to get a tattoo to, like, represent them. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, don't get tattoos in India. You can't do that. Um, but we went to, like, an amazing tattoo parlor and, like, really made connections with everyone. And it was awesome. And so we're sitting there, and this tattoo took, like, hours, like, four hours. And I'm sitting there starving, like, starving. And I didn't want to leave my friend. But I'm like, my stomach is going to eat itself. And in walks our saving grace, the, the, one of the moms of one of the tattoo artists, um, she had brought homemade pani puri and just like invited every single person in the tattoo shop. She demanded them to stop what they were doing and come eat her pani puri. So we all go in the back of this tattoo parlor, like people that are getting tattooed, people that are wanting to get tattoos, the tattoo artists. So they, they always say, don't eat pani puri when you're in India. Like you, like you probably shouldn't do that because it's made maybe with unfiltered water or this or that. But pani puri is this like hard ball that they, they put a, um, not hard, it's like a, the crust, like a sphere with an empty center, and they poke a hole in it, and then they pour this like mixture of water and masala inside the pani puri, and then you have to plop it in your mouth really quickly and just bite down. So you have this like explosion of flavor um, from the crust on the outside to the like so uh, wet masala mix on the inside. Best way I can describe it is like it's like a fruit gusher, but but like crispier and more masala flavored. And it is one of in, like India's favorite, favorite um, street foods to eat. And it is now one of my favorites to eat. <laughs> and we're all sitting there eating her homemade pani puri and they're like just talking about life and about the tattoos that everyone's getting. And, and just the experience was like a really solid representation of like Indian family. It just, it extends so much further than just you. It extends to, um, you know, relatives, friends, people that they have just met two seconds ago. Like Indians, Indian family structure is massive. And um, the way they show that is through love of food and just eating homemade pani puri in the back of this tattoo parlor, like seems like the most, most sketchy thing to do, but it was one of the most 
beautiful moments of family that I ever felt in India. really like there's one food I really like and my passion if I talk about my passion my passion is chicken wings um, I love chicken wings and I have a photo series of me eating chicken wings every place I want I have like 12 or 13 photos of me eating chicken wings in different places in different states and buffalo sauce that's my that's my favorite and we don't have buffalo sauce in Parma and I if that's the thing I'm just like I'm only that's my only concern when I go home I would miss the chicken wings on my Facebook my bio I said like I said I am a dedicated buffalo chicken wings eater so that that that's me so those are the things I would bring home um yeah <laughs> that's fine yeah like the buffalo but sometimes some of the buffalo wings there's the sauce they don't do it really well, so it's too sour. I don't like it. My favorite one is the one in Philadelphia. It's called Moriarty. That's my favorite one. I have a, I have a photos of the chicken wings, and people find it hilarious. But I love it. I really love it. <laughs> There's an expression in Spanish, which I will tell you in Spanish and then translate it. It's lo que no mata engorda, which is, if it won't kill you, it will fatten you. I happen to be from the school of adventuresome eaters. I've eaten cooey, which is guinea pig in Peru. I've eaten all sorts of other exotic things. I'm a big, I'm known at home as fruit monster because I eat all sorts of fruit. I saw fruit in Peru I have never seen since and that are just amazing, like something called pakai. Pakai is a long bean-like fruit that when you open it up, there's a white sweet flesh surrounded by black beans. And I actually have a piece of, of chimu pottery, which is an example of they're taking the natural world and making things of pottery to resemble those things. But I got to eat things like guinea pig. Uh, they They... I have not eaten much raw fish other than herring in New York, but Peru is known for ceviche. Uh, the city of Lima today has over 3,000 cevicherias, and I ate ceviche from all sorts of things, the most exotic of which, and one of the few that I don't like, is ceviche from sea urchin. But I've eaten ceviche from all sorts of exotic things, octopus, uh, bay scallops, regular fish, and other things, uh, there's uh, several um, Amazonian fish, which you occasionally will see in Whole Foods here, called paiche. So I've eaten lots of ex exotic things. And another exotic fruit that, uh, uh, two exotic fruits that I uh, 
particularly remember, one is called Pomarosa. It looks like a delicious apple. It's got a white fruit in the inside, and it smells like a delicious apple. And the other thing which Mark Twain characterized as the most delicious fruit in the world is something called Chirimoya, and it's a fabulous fruit, and you can see it in the grocery stores in the States, and it's a very pricey fruit, but absolutely delicious. One of the running jokes that I had with my family, um, I learned pretty early on in this exchange that the dairy products in Tajikistan did not sit well with my uh, with my stomach. And so from the second or third week on, I kind of avoided dairy at all costs. And my host family wanted to wanted to feed me you know they wanted to let me try their stuff from um you know their their breakfast porridge type thing to ice cream at the end of the night to um you know just other types of you know cheese or something and they didn't they just didn't understand why why I didn't want to eat it and the only way I could communicate it that they would go with is I would say oh I'm scared I'm scared of milk and they just thought that that was the funniest thing maybe you know maybe what I was saying wasn't exactly what I thought I was saying but um, that was kind of a running joke that I that we had with with my family Twenty two thirty three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty two thirty three is named for Title twenty two, Chapter thirty three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government funded international exchange programs. In this episode, we met ECA exchange participants Melissa Jane Taylor, Kylie Adams, Ben Symington, Patty Esch, Barry Heyman, and Kevin Greer. We're grateful to them for sharing their stories. For more about ECA exchanges, check out eca.state.gov. We also encourage you to subscribe to 2233, and you can do that wherever you find your podcasts. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A. T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Huge special thanks this week to everybody for sharing their food stories, delicious or otherwise. I did the interviews with them and edited this episode. Featured music during this segment was Indian Summer by Candido Camaro. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos, 
by Tagir Lius. Until next time.